I would like, if I may, to take you on a strange journey. To explore strange new worlds. To seek out new life and new civilizations. To boldly go where no man has gone before. Others lock up your sons. The fangirls are busting out all over. It's Fangirl Radio. Fangirl Radio. the fangirls on jackalope radio hi everybody and welcome to the latest and greatest episode of the fangirl radio show i'm your host wow (laughs) i'm your host jessica dwyer (laughs) and that was our long lost fanboy brother todd i think i think he's a brother i don't know after that um note you just managed to hit todd yeah Um, that was my like balls in a vice (laughs) judas priest note (laughs) Time Powell is is weeping quietly. He was so impressed. Yeah. Oh man, uh, Rob Hetfield's uh, feeling it. Yeah. Um. So anyway, um, with me tonight, as always, is my lovely and talented co-host Rachel Moore. Good evening. And as uh, as we just said, um, our long lost brother Todd has joined us. Um, and he's in for Amanda tonight. I think he may have tied her up and put her in a corner somewhere so he could be on the show again. Look, by now I've become an expert on sadomasochistic craziness and I've just got to get away from it all once in a while and come back to the fangirl where I can be a nerd. And yeah, that's one of those things. Well, we're always glad to have you back. We miss you. <laughs> uh, we did miss you. We but did. Don't miss tell you. Amanda. <laughs> no, but well, she's gonna probably beat him up, and she'll be back on next week. I'm sure she'll she'll like bound and gag him with that sadomasochistic stuff. She's learned now. Uh, but. Yeah, yeah, she has a night off. See, that's the thing. So. Oh, <laughs> yeah. so um, well, you know, uh, we were talking about what our next episode's gonna be about, and and I thought of you because I think we're gonna be talking about comic books next week. Yes. So you may have to come back, Todd. Yes, I'll I'll do it. <laughs> Well, um, and uh, I had to apologize. I've been out with the plague. Um, it's been a while since we've had a new episode, um, thanks to the evil cron crud I picked up at Horror Hound Weekend last month. Or actually, yeah, it was last month. Oh, my God. It has been two weeks. Um, but I'm back, and I'm going to try not to cough in everyone's face and ears um, after that horrible, horrible crap that I had. Um, but uh, we are back, and this episode is kind of a part due of our um a few weeks ago we did the part dark de. shadow part <laughs> dear it has to be dear it cannot be two because it just sounds <laughs> otherwise it just sounds like do and that yeah. isn't it's de. not good for anyone yes um but uh this is part dear of our uh <laughs> our dark shadows coverage and um talking points of uh about the new film the old series and um we're gonna have a guest tonight which um before uh, the last time we we tried to have him on um technical difficulties kept us from um having him but Stuart Manning is going to be on and he runs one of the best dark shadows websites around he's also one of the uh writers of the um 
awesome um, big finish audio series of, of Dark Shadows episodes and, and um, adventures that are going on right now with the original cast members. So we're really excited to have Stuart on. I can't wait to talk to him. Um, but we have some catching up to do, so let's get into the Weekend Geek. And Rachel, I know you um, were one of the um, few million people that went back and revisited James Cameron's Titanic. Well, you know, they called it the Ship of Dreams, and it really and it was. was. It really was. <laughs> it was great. I loved it. I think it was a lot of fun if you're a Titanic fan to see it. Uh, 3D uh, gave it a lot of depth, made a lot of the vertical shots really, really uh, intense. And yeah, so it's the 100 year of Titanic this month. And one thing I wanted to mention if you do go to back to see the movie 3D, uh, when I first saw it, it was the first movie I'd ever been to with an intermission. It had a five minute, minute intermission in the middle of the movie. The new one doesn't have that. So. Oh. Don't get Bring a big cup. Away. Yeah, right. <laughs> and so because the intermission, they kept the same intermission when they released the VHS tapes, which everybody had, of course. Um, once I saw that come and go, I just waited for the next, you know, boring scene. But, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty, And so the, mo- the movie's still great. It's still a great watch. But everything bad that happens in the movie is still Rose's fault. And um, yeah, there was room on that plank for Jack. No, it goes beyond that. I and mean, from the fact that he wouldn't have, if she just stayed in the boat, he wouldn't have had to rescue her. She, he wouldn't have been arrested the first time if it wasn't for her. And they even infer, I missed this all these years ago, but they even infer that the reason that the fellows didn't see the iceberg was because they were busy looking at her. Oh, Jesus. So really? really Everything that goes wrong in the movie is her fault. And I love it, and I love the performance. But, you know, you have to go back and just be awash in nostalgia and not really worry about the plot. Well, I had to bring up the fact that I believe Neil deGrasse Tyson um, is the reason there was only one altered scene in that whole movie. And that was due to him complaining about the stars as Rose was floating in the ocean at the end. And they weren't correct. And so Cameron actually went back and tweaked that scene to where the starscape is exactly the way it was supposed to be at that time in history. Yes. Yes. And, you know, it's just another beautiful part of the movie. I I think that's awesome, though, that he actually got so pissy that he actually went back. Well, I don't think he even complained. He was invited to a um, pre-screening and and was asked by James Cameron, what do you think? And he said, the sky is wrong. The sky is wrong. (laughs) And, you know, I think James Cameron, it's his passion. It's something he loves. He's still going back down there to Titanic. So, Oh, I know. Well, and and speaking of of movies at the theater this week, um, it was a pretty disappointing um weekend for um and this is airing on thursday so this is the i was ta- i'm talking about easter weekend and they're surprised that the movies didn't do very well this weekend like you know hunger games like pummeled everyone again um the only thing you, it's the only thing out worth watching right now well, yeah you've got a re-release of titanic and then you have american reunion <laughs> I'm like well yeah guys what do you think is going to be happen? honest I've never seen one of those movies. They're good, but I mean, 
they're not gonna like you know no one cares about them really anymore they they actually were doing direct to dvd things with them in it too um so i'm i'm sort of uh laughing about that but there is one movie that i'm excited about uh as of this airing um the midnight showing will probably have started um for it but this friday um a movie that i have been waiting for for a while because it was when uh, mg i think it was mgm um went through their bankruptcy it got lost in the shuffle of of uh, titles owned by the studios and that is cabin in the woods um which is joss whedon's return to horror um, that has been delayed for about two years, I think, to hit screens. And that comes out and it looks amazing. And Rotten Tomatoes is having, has a 97% rating on it. So, um, that means it's good. Or it could mean it run the other direction. Have you seen some of their 97% ratings? Hello. <laughs> That's true. It's true. But I, I have faith in this because the, the trailers look amazing. I, I had no idea until I saw some of these, what they've got going on with this. And it sounds like they've done a really good job kind of changing up a standard in, in the horror genre and we'll making see. it something different. It looks we'll really see. good. We'll see. Will Wheaton. Uh, not Will Wheaton. Um what is wrong with me? You can just edit out that right there. I'm going to be fine. <laughs> You're thinking of Pax. You're thinking of Pax. I was Will... thinking of how it could be awesomer in it if Will Wheaton was involved. Because I'm sorry, Joss Wheaton, he has a lot to prove to me with the Inve- Avengers. Although I really liked the the what I see him doing with Hulk, making the transformed Hulk look like Mark Ruffalo. Instead of looking completely dissimilar, that's interesting. Uh, Ruffalo's still got some big... Uh, but uh, they have a lot to prove to me in the Avengers, and it it could be a make or break for Whedon fans, you know. Yeah, I, I think it's still going to like pummel everything out there. But um, yeah, I'm I'm holding my breath on Hulk. He looks like the weakest link to me in the whole thing. So I'm I, I was a huge Norton fan. Hey, I, I I I'm not trying to interrupt, but you you know what? I've got two ladies here that are fangirls, and I have to ask. Because I'm so frustrated with something about the the advertising campaign for the Avengers. This has been. A, a, I, I can. I you can just say stop showing Scarlett Johansson's boobs over and over again. I'll be happy with well, that. Well, that's one of the things. The other is why in the hell do they have to on the posters and the promo cups and all this stuff have to have all the heroes unmasked and without a helmet for Thor when they're in the middle of a battle with friggin' aliens. I want to yeah. know how uh, I want to know how Hawkeye is going to keep up with the giant spaceships of Doom and I, with his little bow and arrow. That's I what I want to know. It just bugs me because I think they've sacrificed so much already just from the previews, just to make it marketable to a wider audience. That as a comic book fan, I'm I don't really care about it. Everyone's really excited about the Avengers. I'm more worried than excited about the Avengers, and. Um, you know they have such a such a big high stakes cast they have Joss Whedon who supposedly comes with his own you know fan following but it all just kind of leaves me cold it it, uh, it looks like the GI Joe movie to me it has, G. Joe, hey GI Joe 2 looks good all except for that damn puddin head the rock stick in there 
Yeah, I, I, I'm glad they killed off Channing Tatum in like the great. <laughs> so you know, I'm all good about that. And you know, bring on the rock. So you guys aren't swayed because I was told whenever I complained about this, I went straight to the source and I've been raising hell with the studio. And they're like, "Well, you have to understand that this way people know who's playing who." And I said, "Look, if we people, already know, yeah, if if people don't know Robert Downey Jr.'s playing Iron Man, then they shouldn't be going to see this movie." And also, I, did you uh, notice on the poster that uh, Robert Downey Jr.'s head, that picture actually was an Iron Man picture where he was in the full suit of armor, including the helmet, and he had his hand out shooting a blast at someone. And they've won in and they've photoshopped Robert Downey Jr.'s head over the original head that was on that picture. So if you look <laughs> oh carefully, it, it's not even the same focus as, as the body. It's like, guys, you didn't there, have to do that. I don't know why they're doing this. And the other thing that I saw, too, um, was they're – they're releasing these slap bracelets with all the characters on them, but they're leaving out like, um, I don't think Hawkeye's on one. They don't have, yeah. I mean, it's, but, but it's, you're going to love this because Thor doesn't have his helmet on. on Never, ever, ever. Yeah. It's like, we don't need his flowing blonde locks to know who he is. How we know what Thor is. He's got a big effing hammer and he's got a helmet with wings on it. That's and I understand not wanting to cover his beautiful, beautiful face, but come on, armor's hot. I don't care who you well, are. Think about the first like, movie. He wore it during a ceremony. Then when they went to fight the Frost Giants, he took his helmet off. Really? That, right. That's not even logical. It would sh- it would surely yeah. be the other way around. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 that yeah. leads to the problems with that movie. but And, I, and they're, they're relying so heavily on Black Widow for the fanboy element ugh. that I'm getting really tired of it. I'm like, yeah. out of all of these characters, I could give a rat's ass about Black Widow. I Thank mean, you. really, I I don't, I don't like her either. I think they've taken her too far. She was never yeah. that key of a player in the original comic. Yeah. Why are they making her this big deal? Because of it's Scarlett Johansson, and we have to have a girl. Scarlett can blow. I don't care. All of them can go somewhere. <laughs> I want to see some helmets here, people. So, and, and also... The Spider-Man commercial was better than the original Spider-Man commercial, but then I got mad because, again, half of the damn preview, they got to rip off his mask, and he looks yep. like a bobblehead. His head is huge. <laughs> yeah, because that kid has a huge head. He does have a big head. But I, it's, it's kind of the same thing. I, For some reason, in the last 10 years, any superhero movie, the person gets unmasked. It kind of reminds me of the original Batman movies where everybody knows who Batman was. <laughs> I made such a big Speaking deal about of, it. Okay. Like, I'm going they, to make everybody happy with this because this is we're, 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 we need to save some of this anger for next week's show when we talk about comic book movies and comic <laughs> books. I'm sorry, but sorry, I ha- sorry. I have to bring this up because it's timely. Is Dark Knight, um, the, the, new, the new Batman film, has been given a rating, which means that it's, and, and this is right when they um, everyone um, said this, it's now rated PG-13, and that means it's done. Yeah, but where's our trailers? I mean, that's the thing. I, know, I think they're I, dropping I, the ball. Well, here's the thing. I just realized something because I'm, I'm going to Comic-Con again this year. Good. And I realized, looking at the date, this is going to be the biggest film at Comic-Con because it comes out the week after yeah. it's over. So they're probably going to do another Cowboys and Aliens with this and have a premiere at Comic-Con, I think. So I've it's going to be not going to happen, but I have heard they're going to have some kind of a presence there. They have to. I mean, that would be ridiculous that they wouldn't. But Especially, they have kind of I mean, there's been no virals this time and I've really missed it. I love the virals on the Dark Knight. I thought Oh, that was I know. So good. I 
I, I like the stuff they did um, with the, the, the Gotham News Network. And by the way, also, have you been checking out the new um, Joker blogs? I have the, not. The, the Joker blogs they're doing, they haven't really started a season two yet. They've been doing this um, in-between thing right now, and it's pretty awesome. Um, they're, uh, they're following Dr. Arkham around, and um, it looks really, really good. Um, they just sent out, because um, I was one of the, they did a Kickstarter for the second season of the, of the Joker blogs, and I contributed, I think I paid like $5, and they sent me an entire high-definition of uh, the first entire season of the of the show um in one big film version cool and uh, as a download and it's pretty pretty freaking amazing um but yeah i uh, i'm pretty stoked about the the batman thing because that means they're already done with it so now they're going to start rolling out you know the trailers and stuff like that it better god i know going... i've been seeing avengers for like a year it's like come on guys <laughs> right yeah but you know strength of story and strength of of you know quality kind of speaks to that doesn't it yeah it does yeah so eh. um one thing i had to bring up too um before we because uh, we we've still got some time here before we bring on our guests i have to ask why in the name of god star wars connect has <laughs> I'm behind, I know, and I thought it was part of my delirium from fever when I saw this that actually is out there, this Han Solo, I'm Han Solo dance number with an honest-to-God Harrison Ford-looking avatar coming out, dancing like Justin Bieber to I'm Han Solo. And then you have Lando Calrissian come out dancing like he's a pimp. And then they have redone these other songs like I Ain't No Hologram Girl instead of I Ain't No Holobat Girl and then um, what was the other one Um, I'm a Princess in a Battle you gotta join the Rebel Way I don't think I can listen to this anymore la 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 (laughs) have you seen these oh my god the videos are out where you can watch them on YouTube they are the most atrocious things I've ever seen. You thought that you you thought that all the worst that 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 Lucas could do to Han Solo was to have Greedo shoot first and deball him that way. No, he turned him into effing Justin Bieber. Uh, I'm so Star Wars anyway. I hate to say that. I never thought I'd get to that point, but just somebody says Star Wars, and I'm like, eh, I don't get happy anymore. No, this is this is something that's just horrible. I can't believe they actually made this. And the dancing slave Leia, really? Wow. Wow. They think that's a you no, know, no. She she unhooks herself from Jabba and walks out and she's there. You go, dancing slave Leia. Oh yeah, it's yeah. That's all I got to say about that. Freaky geeky Dutch. I, I really don't know why they made this. I really don't. If wow. I if I was going to make a Star Wars Connect game, it would be all about lightsaber battles, and that's it. I mean, that is it. And they've already got a ton of those already, so there was really no reason to make this. Period. You know. And then they added the dancing, because that's what I think about when I think of Star Wars dancing. Yeah. Ah. Uh, Rachel, do you have anything else to add? 
<laughs> we can geek. We can geek. I think, you know, we have to mention the fact that uh, Facebook and um, bought Instagram for a billion dollars. Jesus. That's so crazy. is that... <laughs> is, that, is that where they're going to be storing all of our, our pictures that we've uploaded to I, the site? Or what? I'm not sure yet. The The announcement that Mark Zuckerberg put out on Facebook um, is that they're going to grow Instagram independently, but that it may... It, from what I'm reading, and I may be misreading it, but it sounds like they want it to work better with Facebook, but that it will also be a, an independent thing as well. And they like that it's not it's a, something you can post not just on Facebook, but on other services. So it's a really, um, you know, savvy business move. And it's, it just, I was a little shocked. <laughs> to but read they actually that. did something savvy? <laughs> Well, no, I think they're very savvy. I think their new timeline is really good, even though everyone will crucify me for saying it because everyone hates when anything changes on Facebook. But I, I just think it's, um, you know, we should just go ahead and uh, salute our new Facebook overlords. And I, for one, welcome our Facebook overlords. <laughs> our new Facebook overlords. Um, well, I did have, to, I, I did want to bring up one other thing that actually is a is a happy. Um, joyful geekdom of a trailer and that is the fantastic fear of everything trailer starring simon pegg it looks like david lynch had sex with terry gilliam and they had a baby and um looks like an amazing film and peg is the star and it looks creepy dark funny wacky just insane um it looks go ahead and look it up on youtube find the trailer Watch it. You'll see what I mean when I say it looks like something that David Lynch and Tara Gilliam gave birth to. It looks really, really creepy. Um, he's a children's book author who has an, a fantastic fear of everything, including like a very creepy hedgehog that follows him around that's stuffed. And Peaches from St. Trinian's is in it, and that makes me happy. There Amara Karan is in it. <laughs> there, there you go. Peaches from St. Trinian's, which is how I know her, too. Um <laughs> But uh, I d- we have a new segment that we're going to start this week as well, um, and that is What You Streaming. And uh, I wanted to give some uh, uh, highlights that you can get on Netflix InstaV right now, um, because I know some people are complaining about how they can never find anything on Netflix or what have you. Um, and there are, actually, there are actually some really good things out there. You just got to know how to look. And um, I have some picks for this week, and that is, um, number one is definitely one of my favorite um, crazy offshoots uh, from Hammer Studios, which is Captain Kronos Vampire Hunter. And if you've never seen it, it's wonderfully sexist and and just goofy, um, and um, I wish they'd done more of them with, um, I think his name was Horse Johnson, um, and a uh, great, great movie. Um and hold on just a second because I'm going to cough. <laughs> I'm already starting to lose my voice. Um, the other is the entire um, entire uh, series of The Night Stalker starring Darren McGavin has has been up on Netflix Instant View streaming for a, oh, yeah, yeah. A, a very long time. Every episode is up there. They don't. I don't believe they have uh, the Night Strangler or the Night Stalker um, telefilms. But they do have the entire series, and it's excellent. Still holds up great. 
Um, once you start watching them, you won't stop. Um, they're really, really good. And there's some great guest stars throughout, one of which is Laura Parker, who played Angelique in the original Dark Shadows, also plays a witch in an episode of this. Um, and the other goodies uh, that I found, um, one of which they just, I think, recently added, um, Jim, Jim Henson's The Storyteller and Jim Henson's Storyteller Greek Myths. Um, all the episodes are up there now. And these are some beautiful, beautiful things. Um, uh Oh, I'm I'm blanking on his name right now. That uh, Michael Gambone took over from John Hurt for the Greek Miss um, storyteller, and so you have Dumbledore, <clears throat> and then you have um, uh, John Hurt, um, who is amazing in the original um, run of the the storyteller series, um, and uh, they're great, beautifully filmed fantasies. Um, that uh, I love them. I, I watched them when they were on TV originally. So great stuff. Um, so those are my picks for, for, uh, for streaming right now on Netflix for this week. Rachel, you got anything? You know, you know that I, I do both Netflix and Hulu plus and um, my favorite thing right now that I know Hulu plus is added. I think you mentioned Netflix is added is all of the incredible Hulk. And that's a lot of fun. And um, if you haven't found it, because they haven't done a good job of keeping it not buried, but the first six seasons of Supernatural are up on Netflix. And I just got caught up to the recent season. So now I can watch the recent episodes on Hulu. And um, my new series that I'm into, and this is on Hulu Plus, is the um, Don't Trust the Bee in Apartment 23. It's everything that New Girl really wants to be and isn't it is so much fun and um check it out they have the first two episodes up on hulu plus nice um one thing i i forgot to bring up too is um game of thrones has started back up and um we're two i i you know i'm two episodes here have already aired and rachel and i were debating something today um via im i'm right yeah, I'm sure you're right. I, I'm, I'm still part of, the, part of the way through the book, but um, in this recent episode, um, is it is it Greyjoy? It's Greyjoy, right? It's Theon, we, yeah. Theon. Theon um, heads back home after being with the Starks for like nine years, and they changed that scene um, massively. They did not. They just cut out a bunch of stuff. They cut out an entire character. Well, I think they'll add him later. But what what you're talking about is the fact that before he rides to, and this is going to be rife with spoiler alerts, people. um, If they haven't watched it by now, then they're they're in trouble. Right, it's not our fault. They know better. So before he rides to his father's castle with who we find out later is his sister in the book, there's a lot of politicking and really um, maneuvering he does and involves his uncle and this other person. And then once he gets to the castle that continues and they cut out all of that and really focused on the super awkward ride <laughs> in his sister. Well, yeah, they don't even have his uncle at all. Cause I believe he rode there with his uncle, not his no, sister. No, no, no. No, no. Really? I think maybe his uncle was riding ahead or behind him. But I remember because I I looked up and I said, Ian, does every, is there incest in every single family in these books? And he's like, pretty much. And so I remember it very (laughs) clearly. (laughs) But uh, I I thought that was 
you know, I, I kind of like the, the whole uncle aspect, but they cut that out because I thought that was just some good smackdown for Theon because I don't really like him that much. Um, but uh, I did like the stuff with um, Littlefinger. Anything with Littlefinger makes me happy. He's so he's so sleazy and awesome. Um, also, Tyrion, of course, is just kicking ass and taking names as we knew he would. Um, but I, I kind of want him to amp this up. I'm I'm already growing tired of um, the whole you know redheaded lady thing, um, which. You know, I, and, and granted, that. that's not going to end any time. I know. Um, I'm working through the second book um, and I'm way behind. I'm not going to make it before the end of the se- season. There's no way. I think um, the most important thing is that for me, this is one situation where I like the show better than I like the books. I don't know if I would read the books if I hadn't seen the show because I tried like eight times and they were so boring and I put them down. And then I saw the show. And then, you know me, this is like completely opposite of how Yeah, I this is it. opposite Rachel. But um I'm only and I can't even I haven't finished the books that are out yet because they bore me. But now that the show is back on, I've gone back to reading them again. It's ridiculous. It's and I think part of it is the books have the same problem that the shows have to a lesser extent is he, there's so many of the characters are so similar. I just, yeah. you know, well, I couldn't tell them apart in the book. <laughs> so and I'm, I'm, I'm growing really it. tired of, of Cersei too. I mean, she's, she's really pissing me off. I, 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 the actress has added so much to her that wasn't written into the book. And so she, she should get props for that. Yeah. I mean, well, she's a good actress. You know, I love I loved her in three hundred too. So she's it's a good she's a good actress. I just want them to I want it to hurry up already. You know, I'm like I know this is only the second episode of the season, but I want more. You know, I want I want like things to start happening and I so I I I'm, I do books are. I mean it really is. I when you read them you're like, Oh, it's a Sansa chapter. Let me just skim through this. All right, we're back to Tyrion. Things are gonna happen. <laughs> You know, nobody really reads the Sansa chapters. Let's be no, real. No, we don't. They don't. Unless Tyrion's involved, they don't. Um, so I think it's time to uh, to go get our guests for the night um, for our interview. Um, and uh, just to to reinforce what this is about tonight, we're um, we're returning to the land of Collinwood and Collinsport to talk about Dark Shadows. And um, you know, since the last time we discussed this, um, you know, of course, the trailers and everything have re- been released and it has sort of polarized everyone, mm-hmm. except for me. Um, I, I was polarized. I was also polarized. <laughs> I was horrified, actually. Yeah. Uh, you should not be horrified, Todd. Be I'm, I'm, trust, I was, it didn't trust. look like Tim Burton, which is, I mean, it looked like it, but it didn't seem like it, I guess, is what I guess. No, no, no. And, and I actually, I can't wait to bring Stuart on because he wrote a great response to all of this oh, good. Um, on their website. So, and, and I sent you. responding to, so. Yeah. And I, I sent you his information. So I got it. I got um, it. We're going to yeah, do yeah. this. He got, this. yeah. But um, it's, it's interesting. And I can't wait to find out from him too, because Stuart's from me, uh, from England and, uh, it's kind of a switcheroo because typically it's the U.S. people are discovering the British um, works like Doctor Who. And this time we've got a Brit who is who discovered a, a great piece of American television. So this is going to be neat. I'm very excited. But yeah, the polarization effect of, of the trailers, I blame the studio um, 
and but we're going to talk about it. So we'll get Stuart on here in just a moment and um, start dishing on Dark Shadows. Hi. Uh, I don't want to waste too much of your time because I know, like I said, it's it's very early in the morning there. But I want to introduce you to everybody. Um, Rachel, Todd, this is Stuart. Stuart, Hi, this Stuart. is Rachel and Todd. Hello. Hello. Hi. So one thing I wanted to ask you straight off is, um, as I was I was talking to Todd and Rachel, typically it's the U.S. audiences are discovering um, great pieces of genre from from the U.K. Uh, television land of things like Doctor Who and uh, Blake Seven and that kind of thing. But you're a U.K. fan that discovered Dark Shadows, which is from the United States. Um, how did you discover the show and um, what got you into it? Um. Yeah, I suppose that is interesting. Um, I mean, one of the things I do find kind of intriguing about Dark Shadows is, although it's American, uh, you know, it was made in Manhattan, it has a sort of slightly British stroke, you know, quasi-English sensibility. You've got lots of uh, New York theatre actors, and, you know, they spoke with kind of, slightly cultivated upper crust accents. So it's, you know, it's, it doesn't feel as transatlantic oftentimes as maybe it is. So I suppose that's, uh, you know, that I found intriguing when I sort of first came across it. But um, in terms of how I came to um, watch the show and uh, become interested in it, uh, I first read about it when I was, probably about 12, there was a magazine article that spoke about this show, and it just seemed like such a, a wildly ambitious, uh, foolhardy enterprise to try and do a, a, a soap opera with vampires, let alone do it live, or as live, live on tape with special effects. And so that was, in that respect, I always say uh, I was a fan of Dark Shadows before I'd, ever, I'd actually seen it. It seemed like such a bizarre, uh, weird, wonderful kind of thing that it. I then found myself on a quest to kind of find it. Uh, and over here, this is uh, the mid, uh, the early nineties. Uh, there were the, the paperback library books. There were some tie-in books done during the late sixties and early seventies, which were. Uh, don't really have an awful lot to do with the show. They're kind of he had he had furry hands, and usually there was an almond-eyed shaped lady that was in love with Barnabas. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the hairy palms. So. Yeah, the hairy palms. <laughs> and handsome Britisher, he's usually described as. So they were, but they but they sort of made it real. They you know they gave some slightly abstract versions of those characters, and I remember being fascinated by the the photos on the the covers. Because they were taken on the on the set, so you sort of saw glimpses of that world. And of course, you know they didn't really care who was in the photos, providing you know Barnabas was in them somewhere. So you you sort of would have these shadowy figures in the background, and you didn't know who they were or who they might be. So you'd sort of read those and cast uh, the supporting characters with these um, bystanders almost. So. So, yeah, I read a few of those, and it, that, that sort of fueled it some more. And then, eventually, uh, I remember looking through the, the TV listings, and there, on uh, cable, 
very late one night was House of Dark Shadows, the first film. Ooh. And it was on at some ungodly hour. Uh, and so I remember, again, I wasn't too old at this point, but I remember sort of sneaking downstairs uh, after everyone had gone to bed and sort of sitting with one ear cradled to the, you know, up against the TV, which was <laughs> turned down to the minimum. So that's my, whenever I watch that film, that's my kind of memory of it. Uh, <laughs> being very excited by it, but at the same time, uh, desperately wishing it would be quieter. <laughs> well, it's funny is that's a, like I said, that's the flip side of what we were like with Doctor Who. I, I mean, my sister and I would do the same thing, like with these fuzzy PBS feeds and just beg and plead with the gods of, of coaxial cable that it would come through decently and, and, uh, let us watch it. But it's funny, um, that you bring up the fact that it's got a very British sensibility and how it was filmed and, and the, and the sound and look of it. Um, because when, in that last issue of horror hound, the reason we had hammer and dark shadows together was one of the gentlemen in charge thought that dark shadows was a British import. Um, and so if we had both things put in one issue and it turned into the gothic horror issue, but I thought that that's funny that you bring that up. It, it definitely did have that kind of a vibe to it. Um, but you, you're in part of the audio dramas now over in, in, in England. And I wanted to talk to you about that because those are, I love what you guys are doing with those and bringing back the original cast to do them. Yeah, I mean, those have been a, I mean, that's a sort of strange, sort of strange project to have been involved in and um, sort of one that was very personal to me because uh, I'd, I'd obviously been doing various sort of fan things for probably about uh, coming up for 10 years when the possibility of doing audios came along. Uh, and I was working for Big Finish, the company that do them as, uh, doing cover designs and sort of had it at the back of my head there was maybe a possibility they could be persuaded to do Dark Shadows and um, and so yeah has it sort of feels that was very strange for gratifying but strange to sort of having for a long time <laughs> sought to try and make Dark Shadows that little bit less obscure over here to um uh, to be able to sort of, with a British company, set something up, and uh, we're very lucky. We had a lot of cooperation from the cast, and uh, and they've, uh, you know, they've really spun off and kind of got a life of their own now. There was, um, I don't think there was ever the the uh, thought. I mean, the thought, the idea we, that, that we'd still be doing them five years down the line. I don't think I quite would have believed that. I'm not sure the actors would have believed that either. But um but it's nice. It's uh we've been very lucky. We've had lots of um you know, we've had lots of support. We've you know, we've got to do one with Jonathan Fred, which was a uh a huge process of negotiation and uh, an undertaking to make happen. But uh, you know, a real honor to have done a little part of history. Um and yeah, they're you know they're uh, as I say, they feel like they've um, they've kind of got a momentum of their own, and um, it's very it's very exciting, and it's lovely from my point of view. It's been really lovely to work with the actors and um, 
to see them become interested and uh, you know motivated to to perpetuate those characters. Because I think when we first started, which is say going back to two thousand and six, um, I, I don't know. I wouldn't want to say they were skeptical. So they were absolutely supportive, but I think they didn't. I think they didn't really see it as being something that might last. They sort of saw it as a novelty thing and thought it was quite enjoyable to get together for a week um, in a studio. But as I say, the fact we've now, you know, we've done a couple of dozen of them and, um, you know, they're used to the rhythm of them and they're used to being involved and interested and, uh, you know, quite actively interested in being involved. That's been really gratifying. So, and I know um, David Selby's uh, son, I believe, is is part of the the creative process on this. Is how much of his his involvement has um, helped this come along? Well, David's uh, well, David's son Jameson has uh, he he did a the very first um, uh, Dark Shadows audio project, which was done before Big Finish. Uh, it was a uh, play that was done for the Dark Shadows Festival in 2003 called Return to Collinwood, which was the, the title of uh, the mooted uh, Dark Shadows reunion film they were going to do in the 80s, so it was a, a sort of a nostalgia uh, angle to the whole thing, and they got, they got about a dozen members of the cast together, and they did a story that, that sort of wrapped up some of the loose ends in quite a charming way, and that was... Um, done by Dan Kurtz Productions and done as a CD thing. And that really, for Big Finish, uh, helped to, I think, demonstrate that there was potential and there were, more importantly, there were actors who were interested in being involved, which is obviously a very important part of these kind of projects because it's not just having a name. You really need to have talent who are willing to play ball. Uh, so Jameson was very instrumental uh, on that level, and in the audios we've used him. Uh, he's played a, a recurring character in our full cast audio dramas. So yeah, he's very much he's part of the family, as it were. Nice. And so I know that um, I've been telling everybody about how I love the website that you run, um, the Dark Shadows News Blog. I I absolutely love it. I go there every day checking up on things and um i really appreciated the the write-up you did about the reaction and how the the new trailer for the new film sort of polarized the fandom but you you put a very great spin on you know accepting what's being done with this and what's going on with this new film and um i was wanting to, to talk to you about you know how? What's your take on this, and to speak to that and the the polarization that's happening right now within the fandom? Well, I'm. I think I, I'd say first up, you know, po- yes, there is some polarization. I don't think it's as I don't think there's schism or anything as drastic as some of it, you know, might have you believe. I think you, you've always got to assume the the unhappiest voices are the ones that are going to... They're the loudest. You know, be loudest, yes, absolutely. <laughs> um, I think most people are fairly open-minded, and I think most people are, uh, are at the very least intrigued at, well, at the possibilities. Um, and it's still very early days. I think you've got to remember, I mean, we've not seen... 
there is a there is a one there is about a ten second sequence in the trailer that has no music and plays as it will in the film. So that is the only glimpse we've really had, which is the the the, the tiny songstress thing where Barnabas. Uh, <laughs> Which I thought was hilarious. I'm sorry, I thought that was funny. Television set, but, uh, but that's the only glimpse we've had of it. Sort of finished. Everything else has got music on it, or is montage, or is edited, or is treated. So we're not seeing a huge amount of it yet in its finished form. And I think the first trailer, you know, if you if you sort of stick Barry White and um, is it T Rex was on it as well? I think, uh, yeah, I think it was. You know, those are that's going to give it a sort of jaunty sensibility. I mean, I think if you look at, if you distance that, the humour that, that is there, I mean, it's fairly deadpan. It's not, you know, so, and it'll be interesting. I mean, I don't know, uh, one of the things that's come out in the last week or so, um, Warner Brothers have put up some samples of Danny Elfman's score for the soundtrack album. And there's about... And I- I love. I thought that was just gorgeous. And but yes, I mean, it, if you hear it, I mean, it's not in the least bit. There's nothing funny or, <laughs> or anything. So you. So I think that gives you an idea. I mean, it'd be interesting to see what the general public makes of um, the, the actual finished film in light of the trailers, because certainly on the basis of the score, and I think if you look beyond uh, the obvious, you know, it's not. It's not going to be Austin Powers with fangs. There is a bit more to it than that, and I, and so it, you know, it still feels very early, really, to be uh, making judgments. Certainly, from my point of view, it feels very early to be making judgments. Um, and I, I don't know. I'd hope that uh, that you know some of the people who aren't uh, particularly pleased with the the angle at home might go into the cinema and be pleasantly surprised. I mean, certainly. You you hear Danny Elton's score. It's very Bob Cobert. It's very much in the style of the uh, original, um, uh, the original show's music, and uh, which is not really a style you, you hear in contemporary cinema scores. So, um, I think it's it will be very interesting. I mean, well, the thing that I was I was taking away from when I talked to Burton and they the big thing was he was surprised by the fact that they were touting it as a comedy and when they released the trailer that was the thing that everybody held on to and my my thing was yeah there's going to be funny parts it's it's a Tim Burton film he's got a twisted sense of humor that's just Burton but I also the one thing I noticed immediately was the scene on Widow's Hill which I thought was amazing when i notice i'm like oh my god he's actually jumping after josette Mm. that never happened before that's not funny that's something that should have always happened and and is completely tragic because she's going to die and he's not and uh and certainly i think the i mean burton's talked a lot about trying to capture the vibe of the original show and he's very interested clearly very interested in the fact that uh the soap opera aspect and the that sort of enclosed melodrama he sees as being a very important part of Dark Shadows, which no one else who's ever remade it before has. Right. You know, when Dan Curtis remade it, you know, he remade it twice and tried to remake it many other times besides that. 
you know, he always saw the soap opera uh, aspect as being a limitation. He didn't see it as something cherishable. He didn't see it as something that um, uh, was a unique part of the Dark Shadows mix. For him, it just happened to have been the way they made it. And if he'd have had his way, they wouldn't have made it that way. So it's really interesting that, you know, uh, that this version is is so... Uh, I don't know what the word is. Um, is sort of drawing on that so much, and is trying to capture that in and reinterpret that. You know, in that respect, it's it's by far the most interesting attempt that's been that you know anyone's done to revive the show. And that part will be very interesting. You know, I think that part will the possibilities of that are you know very very exciting. Um, you know, the idea now that the, the periods, the 70s um, setting, again, they've made it an integral part of the, the format, which, of course, in the original show was incidental, and for all the other times it's been revived has never been considered. Um, but, it, it, you know, again, it, when it's sort of done, it's, it's a very interesting take on the material, and it gives it, I think, a point of difference uh, from all the other vampire things being done at the moment. Which I mean, I suspect is the reason Warners have, uh, you know, honed in on that and the comedy aspect for the trailers because there are no shortage of vampire properties at the moment. And Dark Shadows, although it created a lot of these sort of archetypes and these um, uh, these these, uh, I don't know what you'd call it, these sort of character quirks, things like the reluctant vampire right, uh, and all the other stuff. Unfortunately, a lot of other shows are on that bandwagon now. And, uh, <laughs> you know, Vampire Diaries, you know, you've got Vampire Diaries on one hand, there's, you know, Twilight series. Yeah, exactly. And, they're, you know, those, and for, I mean, for instance, True Blood and... Um, uh, Vampire Diaries have both acknowledged the creators have acknowledged their their sort of debt to Dark Shadows, but you know for for the Dark Shadows to stand on its own two feet, it does sort of need a new angle, um, and so this kind of uh, this sort of retro setting and this idea that Barnabas has uh, has awakened and has missed this time and is behind the times and is trying to catch up that seems a valid. Uh, spin and it's part of the original story. It's a part that the original show didn't maybe focus on so much, but I think it's absolutely valid and um, authentic. These are things Barnabas would have gone through on the original show. We just happen not to see them most of the time. Right, he just kind of shows up in a suit, and you don't really know how he went through or how he figured out how to even buy a suit. Or yeah, do and any of this stuff. And that's sort of one of the the things I think they've done very well with this. Um, the, the the screenwriters have done very well for this version. They've, in terms of rationalising the material, because on the original show, they didn't know Barnabas was going to be the front running lead character. They introduced him as a a really sort of temporary baddie. He was really. He was only going to be on for about three months. Yeah, and they were uh, going to stake him. Absolutely. So it wasn't really told from his point of view, whereas obviously now you, you've got a film that is, with hindsight, Barnabas, of course, is your main character. And, you know, if you've got Johnny Depp playing him, you, 
you want him to be the focus and at the centre. You don't want him at arm's length in that way. And I think the um, so the way they've sort of changed it, which is to tell tell it chronologically. So we will see it from Barnabas's point of view, and we see it through his eyes. Uh, is very interesting. And the other sort of part they've added, that I think, is um, very clever, and I think promises to be, um, you know, quite a, a, a very interesting part of the story. Is this idea that the Collins family need Barnabas? That that such is their situation that they need him to give them help them regain their identity and uh, and that I think and that makes it a sort of fa- a family story and is very sort of heartwarming. Which the, again, the show did in uh, at times did, but never, but almost incidentally. Whereas with hindsight, that seems like a very, um, you know, very sort of rich uh, vein of, yeah, to tap into, absolutely. Um, This week's episode went over a little bit because when you get geeks talking about something they love, we talk a lot. So just be aware that at some point during the broadcast, it will cut off, probably during a sentence. And if you want to hear the rest of the broadcast, go to the Fangirl Radio Archives at jackaloperadio.com or on iTunes or wherever you get the downloads from for streaming. And you'll get the full episode and the full effect of the geekdom going on. Yay! All right, so we're talking about Dark Shadows. I've, I've been kind of defending this movie on it uh, f- from everybody, a lot of people. I've been taking my lumps about it, and and I'm like, you know what? You haven't seen it yet. Have faith. These guys are fans, and they know what they're doing. But, like, the one, there's one picture that I absolutely love of Johnny Depp as Barnabas playing dinosaurs with David Collins. And mm-hmm. people are, um, they're kind of like, what the hell, you know? And I'm, I'm, I look at, at this picture and I'm like, that's Tim Burton playing with Barnabas. That is Tim Burton living out a childhood dream of playing dinosaurs with Barnabas Collins. And Barnabas always loved those kids. Even though for a while there he wanted to kill David at one point. But, <laughs> but he didn't but, really. I mean. But, but he always loved the kids. Like Sarah, especially his sister, I could totally buy Barnabas just getting down on the floor and playing dinosaurs with David because it's his family. Well, and there's a sort of sweet part of Barnabas. Again, it's on the original show, and you know the day-to-day mechanics of a soap are such that uh, often the, the most interesting bits are those little moments where you you divert from this sort of day-to-day business, the sort of people people recapping things that the audience need to know, the he said, she said scenes, where you occasionally, and you can't do it that often, you can just break out of that and you see the characters as themselves reacting to things. Um, and the show did it very seldom, but when it did, they were, they're kind of nice little moments. There's a, there's a moment in, I don't know, late 69, where Carolyn's talking about buying presents for Christmas. Of course, we never saw Christmas that year, but... You know, they, they're they moments that make them sort of relatable and um, give them lives, give the characters lives beyond the sort of the sort of day-to-day spooky business. Um, and I think that's one of the really nice things about Barnabas. Um, there is a sort of tender quality, particularly in Jonathan Frid's performance, that gives you a sense during those moments of um, someone wanting to participate and be a part of this family but not quite knowing how. 
And I think that, yeah, absolutely, the idea that, you know, the kids were, in a lot of ways, you can imagine being a lot happier uh, and finding it a lot easier to uh, to talk to the children and be at them on his own level than, you know, than the adults, sort of probing and suspicious and, you know, all his paranoia is coming through. So that, that absolutely, that feels very, that's really nice. I think, um... I hope we see some moments like that. I think I, I think we will. I think they're gonna. I, I really have a lot of faith in this, and especially now, I, I I don't have as much faith in the studio for being able to 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 sell this the way it should be sold. What Burton has made for them, I think that's really part of the problem. I'm hopeful that with the release of the soundtrack now and that the scoring is done, that they will re-edit and put out the. Uh, you know the other aspect of this film in a trailer which is the darker parts because that score like we said is totally referencing bits from house of dark shadows there's little cues in there that i heard that were just i was like oh my god that's that scene with carolyn and david right there i hear it and um i i i really hope they do something like that because that score is just so lovely and it elicits you can almost see the scenes, you know, and hmm. I really want to hear that and see that with the scenes that it's going to play out to. Yeah. I mean, the marketing side, I think you have to, I mean, I'm, I, I, I don't know. The marketing, I think is very difficult for this film. Uh, oh yeah. Because, you know, it's not an outright horror. It's not, uh, you know, well, I mean, Tim Burton keeps saying about it. He, he doesn't quite. He finds it very hard to categorize what he's made. Uh, and I suspect, actually, if you if you'd spoken to Dan Curtis in about 1968 and asked him to to categorize what he was making at that time, I think he would have found it very difficult to have um, given you a straight answer. Uh, to a degree, it's always been the case with Dark Shadows. You sort of have to put it out there and. Uh, you know, see who bites. Let me ask, though, don't you kind of feel like it's almost a slap in the face to the filmmakers, maybe, the way the studio has started marketing this film? Because it almost seems like it's dumbed down to the point of agony. I mean, it just, to me, when I saw the trailer, I immediately thought, I don't know if I want to see it anymore. And I love Depp. I love Burton. I thought the look of it was great. But I was like, uh, God, I'm hoping they put all the slapstick in this one trailer because if this is what the movie's like not only is it not going to feel like a Burton film to me it's going to feel like a tragedy I mean I feel like uh, I, I love the original for its it had campiness but it wasn't intentional and I just felt like they were really marketing it to the wrong crowd like maybe 11 year olds I don't understand it at all yeah I I think for me I didn't it didn't turn me off from seeing the film because I'm definitely a will wait to see what the film is actually like but it felt like it was rushed I felt like we didn't hear or see anything for so long and then this is the first thing they give us and it was like really and you know that there's none of the score in it there's we're seeing very brief very small portions of it so um I can't judge it on that I love the cast and I love um, the concept of Tim doing it, but I, I, I kind of felt like it was a lot of build up and anticipation to get something that felt either either worst case scenario it's true to what it's going to be, or best case scenario it's a horrible misrepresentation of something that isn't 
very mainstream here. Well, and that's the yeah. other thing is I saw it in a crowded theater with that and Abraham Lincoln back to back. They that first trailer was terrible, but the new trailer for Abraham Lincoln looks like everything I wish Dark Shadows looked like. It was pretty right. kick butt, and I was like, right. the crowd was cheering for that. And then Dark Shadows, they were literally booing because I think they're marketing it to the wrong people. We know what Dark Shadows is. The people well, and see and. It. The funny part of, of what you just said is the fact that the guy who wrote Abraham Lincoln Vampire Killer... Also wrote Dark Shadows, yeah. Wrote the Dark Shadows script. <laughs> right. So that's where I'm leaning, and, and Stuart, feel free to, to tell me. Well, about I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, I think it's... I think you've got to bear in mind with these things that... You know, this is a film, I don't know, well, the, I think the budget they've said is $60 million and God knows how much they're going to spend... Well, you know, marketing on top of that. So there are huge amounts of money at stake, and I think, and there's clearly a strategy. Um, you know, with with Abraham Lincoln, there's it doesn't have the kind of A-list cast that Dark Shadows does. It doesn't really have the sort of A-list director. Dark Shadows, it seems to me, they're selling far more on its cast and Tim Burton's name. And Tim Burton, at this point, is a, a brand unto himself. So there's right. there's a lot of potency to that. Um, I don't know. I mean, I think. I mean, I mean clearly, uh, you could. I I don't know. Saying things like it's a slap in the face to the filmmakers. I. I mean, you've only got to look at how much uh, this film has had in terms of resources. I mean, they built an entire fishing village at Pinewood. I mean. Uh, the filmmakers are, are, are very thoroughly supported, and I guess the the payoff to that is that the people who are um, who are financing all that have a right to market it in the way they choose to. Um, and you know, if the film doesn't go down so well because of marketing, in this day and age, really, that's uh, the release is just the beginning. Um, we, you know, to, even Tim's. Less successful films. I mean, Ed Wood, which really was a just it, invisible, it on, invisible on release, yeah. has had a huge lifespan beyond that. Uh, beyond that, in the you know the fifteen, I don't know, eighteen years, whatever it is since. Um, so, you know, maybe you know the worst case scenario, this doesn't go down too well. There will be opportunities for people to sort of connect with it beyond that, and if the marketing doesn't reflect what the film is, they'll you know in time uh, that will become apparent, and I'm sure it will find its own audience. I think it's going to do well. I, and and one thing I know that they just moved the dictator uh, away from it because they didn't want to bash heads with it um, mm. for one reason or another. They moved they moved the release date for the dictator um, back another like week or two. Uh, but, um, one thing I wanted to ask you, cause I know we're getting ready to run out of time and I know you have to sleep. <laughs> if they, um, they've already been talking about the, you know, there's so many storylines and things that they could do for a sequel, which if this does as well as I hope it does. And I know it, I'm there's, it's going to make money because it's Tim Burton and Johnny Depp and a big studio release. It's going to at least make money. Um, if they do a sequel, what storyline would you like to see them pick up on? And that being said, if you could pick any actor out there right now to play Quentin Collins, who would you pick? Um, 
Well, that's assuming I'd have Quentin Collins in the film next. <laughs> uh, you know people are going to demand that. Well, yeah. I don't know. I mean, it's, as you say, there's an incredibly sort of, I mean, there's so much, so much material. And, you know, we're in the age of the franchise. So if something... Um, if it clicks, uh, it's going to make If something another- has an audience, uh, there will certainly be, there will certainly be the, the willing to perpetuate it and do more. Uh I don't know. I think because with this, it's interesting. You have you have a sort of big established cast now, um, but it's entirely possible you could do a flashback story with you know just carry across um, Barnabas and leave you know, and otherwise do something completely fresh. Or you could pick up with the characters they have in the present and you know be off to the races again. So. Um, I don't know, the possibilities are it's just almost endless. Um, in terms of things they could adapt, uh, the, the Quentin haunts Collinwood story, which is uh, based loosely on The Turn of the Screw, the Henry James novel, that would be, I'm sure, could be done magnificently. Um, and certainly that would tie in very well with this, this idea of family that um, they brought to the fore with this version um and it could be very very interesting um i don't know i there's a bit of me that actually would like to play devil's advocate and maybe do one of the storylines that no one are you talking about the leviathans are you gonna do you could do them but the leviathans you know i i think the the great thing about dark shadows is um there are so many great ideas, even the storylines that didn't pan out too well. They they have good ideas behind them. You know, some things get lost in the execution a little. But Leviathans, I think done right, you could do a brilliant film from that. It probably wouldn't be the top of anyone's list, but you could still do it. Um, and there are other little storylines buried away. I think uh, the the 1995 flash forward... Uh, was very very interesting. Where we went to the future and found Collinwood in ruins, and then uh, Barnabas and Julia in the present day, which for them was 1970, had to try and prevent a disaster, the disaster that they'd they'd already seen the results of. Which I mean, again, I think that gives you an idea of just how high concept Dark Shadows was. I mean, that's the sort of timey wimey stuff that Doctor Who's doing doing nowadays, but they were doing it. At, in 1970 at four o'clock on the after- in the afternoon. So I like the, uh, Wuthering Heights storyline though. I really did like the Bromwell. Yeah. See, again, I mean, those are, the, you know, and that again is not, is by no means considered to be one of the front runner, great dark shadow storylines, but it, the material is good. And you could, the character, you know, you've got good characters and good situations or, you know, perhaps you, you know, you you find another source. You know, there are Dark Shadows adapted most of the sort of gothic greats. It didn't do all of them though, and there are there are possibilities. You know, nestling away there, or do something completely new with the characters. Right. Uh, it's I I think the lovely thing about it is that they've got a, a huge framework to fall back on. Um, but actually, for this film, they've not really scratched at too much of it. They've mostly done a, a, a new storyline that doesn't uh, doesn't you know use up too much of that. 
There's some little bits of House of Dark Shadows, but not too much. There's some little touches of the 1968 present day story with, which had Angelique um, establishing herself in the present day as a sort of fawn in Barnabas's side. Um, and there are, uh, and some of the very early stuff as well. But beyond that, they've not really used very much. And there were, the show ran for nearly five years. So there was huge amounts. I mean, you could do the 1795 story in greater detail, which the show, which this film does in sort of very briefly, I believe. I think it's like a half an hour, maybe. And they, they, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's very sort of very, very crunched down. It's not, and it's told in a very streamlined way, but you could, you know, you could open that up. I don't know. There's, um, but there's no shortage of material. And, uh, Certainly, everyone connected with the film seems to have had a good time making it. Michelle Fife was already, yeah, she already <laughs> saying, "I want to come back." <laughs> She's ready for the next one. So, um, who knows? Maybe they'll maybe they'll take her off on that. I love the fact that they show her standing there with a shotgun. I I, I absolutely love the fact they're going with like a uh, with Elizabeth. They're making her like the the protective mother. I really like that, and I think that's a great way to go with that character. She's tough, and, and she wants her family to to succeed. So I really like where they're going with that. Yeah, and I sort of, I mean, I think certainly in the trailers, you can, she's, um, she grew up watching it as a, uh, as a kid, and um, she actually approached Tim Burton. She phoned him up and said, I hear you're doing Dark Shadows. I want to be in. I want to be in it. <laughs> yeah. uh, and I think actually you can really tell. I mean, she's the one doing some proper. She's doing. She's definitely channeling more than a little of Joan Bennett. Oh, I know the voice about. is great. Uh, I, yeah, loved, sort of I, I loved. I loved. I loved how um, Depp was doing a very good Jonathan Fred too. Yeah, he's doing the sort of sibilant hissing and yeah. yeah. I, I love it. Reminiscent. So this is it. I mean, I think that you know, for people who are worried that that you know it's in the hands of people who don't care, I think there's a lot of affection there. And you know, even if some of the riffs seem a little, um, I don't know, a little uh, sacrilegious, I think it's done with a good heart. Uh, and and I, it's very I, interesting to see it in the cinema. So I'm, I really like how they've the the look of the film too. I mean, it it looks absolutely stunning, and I really like how they've redone the portrait too. The little things like that, like how they redid the portrait as a full-on, you know, Barnabas pose, uh, full-body thing. I, I, I just love how they've done that. They've they've made it look absolutely stunning. Um, I well, really- absolutely, and um, you, you know, this is the love, the really wonderful thing about having someone like Tim Burton do this. Uh, you know, those his films are, are, are tr- you know, they're really led by the art direction and they have the be- the very best people working on them and he has the resources to um to realize it on a grand scale i mean the fact they've really not cut corners they built a huge amount they built you know massive you know interior and exterior sets it's not there's very little cgi um work going on most of it's physical uh, and i think that really shows uh, particularly in the Collinwood sets look you know they really look magnificent and they really give it a scale and a character um which you know it takes a director with that kind of track record and that kind of clout to make things happen that way you could sort of you you could do it far less lavishly and um 
so we should be I think again people who are uh, maybe anxious but there are you know the, there are things like that that you know definitely come from having these people do it yeah hold off on the the pitchforks and and torches before you see it you know that kind of, I, that's what I've been saying is just give it a chance it's Tim Burton and Johnny Depp and I think they well, know a thing or two you know and also I mean I think you you know I think that first trailer is the the absolute most it could shock anyone uh, you know, no one in the cinema is going to see Barry White crooning away half <laughs> underneath it. It's not going <laughs> to, you know, it, the, that first trailer is as extreme as it as it could possibly be. And, right. You know, it's it's been done deliberately to push people's buttons. Well, and also uh, the thing that I was telling everyone was when I when I talked to Burton in February, right, like two or three weeks before the trailer was released. They hadn't even started scoring yet. So that tells me that when they made the trailer, they didn't even have any music for it yet. So that's part of the reason why the trailer had so much uh, 70s music involved with it instead of actual score. And yeah, I think, and the bit at the beginning is from it's from something else. It's an existing yeah, track. Yeah. yeah, so I think that, that now that we've got the score and um, they've got a little bit of time before the release, very little, but they do have time, we'll probably get another trailer where they kind of give us a little bit more focus on the darker aspects of the film and we'll get to see and hear that beautiful music mesh with the, the gorgeous set design and, and everyone involved. So I'm, real, I'm, I'm excited. I'm still, this is my big deal of a movie this year. This is it for me. So, um. Yeah. But we're we are over, and I've kept you way too long, Stuart. I I apologize for keeping you on so long. Um, no, but it's, uh, I, it's nice to talk dark shadows. <laughs> uh, I I know I I actually am one of the uh, I don't have many people around here to talk to about it. Um, not everyone knows as much about it as I do here. So it's great to talk to someone that that loves it and knows the uh, the info. So, um, but I want to say thank you for coming on. And I know it's ungodly at late there, but thank you for coming on and talking to us and letting me pick your brain about this. And um, hopefully at some point we can have you back on to talk once the movie's released and discuss your thoughts on it. And uh, once again, thank you so much for um, joining us and having such a great website. Um, well, you have any, you. uh, do you want to do you want to give us your website address so everyone can go? Uh, well, if you want to find it, it's Dark Shadows News uh, as one word dot blogspot uh, dot com, and yeah, you can well you can find out <laughs> yeah whatever's happening in the world of Dark Shadows. It's it's there, and um, yeah, and we'll I guess uh, we'll all and hopefully yeah everyone May eleventh uh, will. We'll see. <laughs> we'll be, see what happens. We'll see we'll if we're see right. Uh, and yeah. uh, also, um, be sure to check out the Big Finish Audio Dramas, too. I believe it's bigfinishaudio.com. Is that the right uh, website? Bigfinish.com. Bigfinish.com. Mm-hmm. Um, but thank you once again for joining us, Stuart. And nice. um, yeah, thank you and um, uh, everybody. I hope you had fun listening to us uh, talk about the, the awesome that is Dark, Dark Shadows and May 11th is the day. So uh, hit your theater. And I want to thank Todd and Rachel for being on with us tonight. Pleasure as always. Thank you. And thank you, Todd. And once again, thank you, Stuart. And we'll see you later. See you next week where we're going to be talking about comic books. Bye-bye. Fangirl Radio. Radio.